you made it. All right. If you're listening to this and you haven't heard part one of my interview with Cliff Ravenscraft, then hit the pause button and listen to that one. Okay. If you're still here, that means you either listen to part one of my interview with Cliff Ravenscraft or you're a rebel and decided to ignore my advice. Okay. I'm cool with that. Either way, I'm so excited to share part two of my conversation with podcasting legend Cliff Ravenscraft. In part one, we learned all about the beginning of his journey, how faith played a role in his life and his podcasting journey, and advice that he has for anyone just starting out. In this episode, he opens up about the challenges he's faced in his career, including almost dying after a year of working almost nonstop. He also talks a lot about what's most important to him at this stage in his career, how he handles those unsubscribers that used to get him upset and now no longer do. And he shares what books have been most influential in his life. Some of them have been literally life-changing. We also dive even deeper into his faith journey, including some areas that he never thought that he would go. We get deep, to say the least. So with that, let's jump in to the conversation. Two thousand eight, you worked your butt off, working every day. By two thousand nine, you were literally in the hospital. You you almost died, and I know you loved every minute of the work. You were you. It's like I said, it was oxygen for you and to you. Flash forward to today, and when I say today, I mean the last year or so. You really identified, okay, what's most important, right? So, what's most important is to experience peace, love, joy, and abundance, regardless of any external forces or circumstances. You're, you're fully committed to knowing and trusting your creator in a more intimate way. And, and that doesn't mean, by the way, to your own point, that you need to be in church. You need to be, have institutionalized religion. Frankly, it, it's not that. And part of your exploration, part of the things that, that I mentioned earlier, when you look at world religion, other, other forms of religion, you know, the autobiography of a yogi, I mean, that right there is counter to what some would say you should do, but then you are living the path of what others think you should live instead of living the path that you want to live. And so for someone who is maybe uncertain which direction they should go or uncertain how they should channel their own inner guide and write their own story, how did you arrive at this point where you feel comfortable enough to ignore what is conditioned beliefs of what you should be doing and instead, you're doing what Cliff wants to do, what Cliff, but also not letting your ego misguide you. Yeah. Well, first of all, how did I come to this place? It's it's through so many things. It's, it's through leaving my career as an insurance agent and a lifetime experience of only being an employee and having that first year in 2008, working around the clock, working myself literally almost to death. I was on death's door at the in the hospital in January 2009, only made $11,000 that year. But we had become debt-free in February 2007, and all through 2008, we never once went back into debt. And as a result of that year, while I may have experienced a lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of self-doubt, I never once questioned whether or not it was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. whether or not mm-hmm. this was a, what I was called to do and what I was put on this earth to do. And that kept me moving forward. And the fact is, is that in spite of some of my stupid mistakes, my limiting beliefs, and my fears, our family, my wife and my children and myself, we lacked 
nothing. We lacked nothing that year. That's not to say that we didn't pinch pennies or whatever, but we we had everything we needed. And then I could tell you just through all the different things, uh, there was this thing that I called the year of provision after reading the autobiography of George Mueller that had a very powerful impact on my life. And then just some other things. Every time when I did the thing that most people would say, that's the most irresponsible thing I've ever heard. You should never do that. <laughs> Every time I followed my heart's intuition, the prompting of the spirit, the the universe, if you will, whenever I followed what I felt was truly what I was meant to do next, there was tons of risk involved. But every time I saw even greater success. When I say success, I'm talking about the fact that it was not as difficult and as challenging the second, the third, or the fourth time I did that. And so eventually I got to the place where it's like, wait a second, maybe to truly succeed in life, to have the food on your table, to have the clothes on your back, to have the clients that you need, to have the income to provide and responsible contributing member to society and to serve others the way you've, maybe that has very little to do with how much constant motion and noise you make in the world. And maybe it's all God just giving you everything you need. Quite frankly, it was through autobiography of a yogi that Paramahansa Yogananda's message really resonated with me in a powerful way. And I'm like, I'm reading about reincarnation, bilocation, teleportation. I'm reading about some weird stuff in here and karma. And I'm like, listen, mm-hmm. I, I come from this Orthodox Christian background that, that teaches all this stuff is the slippery slope that's going to put you down to the, the apostate path. And I'm going to be in the heresy. I'm following false teachers and I'm going to burn in hell and I'm going to take billions of people with me. And once I got past all of that conditioned way of thinking, Then I said, you know, wait a second. I do believe one thing. Neither height nor death, neither angel nor demon, neither principalities. There is nothing in all creation, no thing in all creation, not even a book by an Indian yogi who could ever separate me from me me from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. And it's like, as soon as I said, okay, I'm going to rest in that. I said, God, I would rather you instantly take my life from me then me cross a line that you would not want me to cross. I invite you to strike me dead before I make such a move. But I feel you calling me to pursue you and truth down this path. And so here I come. I finished reading the autobiography of a yogi. I then bought his commentary called The Second Coming of Christ, The Resurrection of Christ Within You, which is a two-volume set on the original teachings of Jesus, where Paramahansa Yogananda claims that in one of his 24-hour meditations that he did every Christmas each year, that Jesus came to him physically appeared and spoke to him and says, I want you to bring to the world, to the West, an understanding of my Eastern philosophy background so people will finally be able to understand the truth of my message that's hidden in the Gospels. Hmm. And I start reading this, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Now, what, what hasn't come out so far 
is that in September 2011, my wife and I stopped attending any congregational gathering. That's what I call them. Some people call it the local church, and I used to as well. I haven't attended a weekly congregational gathering since September 2011. I've gone and visited like once or twice, and it's like, yep, nope, still not for us. Just a test, and it's like, nope, still not. Never once have I ever left that relationship with God, and, and it's only grown since. But here's the interesting thing. I got to the place where I could not open the scriptures. I could not open the Bible at all. Because every time I opened the Bible, I would read it, and I'd like Paul's yelling at me. It's like some angry father that's really pissed off at how I'm living my life. And I'm like, well, forget you and your judgment. And I close it. And it's like, nobody can live like this. This is ridiculous. It's like, this is so mean and vindictive and hateful and, and all this other stuff. And what happened was I'm not actually seeing the word on the page for what they are. What I'm doing is I had grown up my entire, I, listen to this, from second grade through seventh grade in religion class in a Catholic mm, school yeah. every single day, mass every Friday for seven years of my life, going to Sunday schools and vacation Bible schools and having the Bible drilled into my head and then always being taught that if you want to have a good relationship with Jesus, you go to church and you hear the pastor and they're the authority and you don't question and they're preaching hell, fire, brimstone and all this stuff. And I could never, I, I got to the place where I could not read the Bible without actually hearing the conditioned thoughts and interpretations of all of those preachers. And so I avoided it for years. And so from September 2011 until September or October of 2020, Yogananda has me opening the scriptures again for the very first time. And they came to life. Mm. So much so. Billy, I, for the last 45 days, I've been up at either, my alarm is set at 5 a.m. every morning. Not once does my alarm ever go off because Father, God, wakes me up at either 327 or 427 in the morning on the dot every morning, and I immediately jump out of bed and come down here and I read the scriptures, most of the time through what Yogananda is saying that Jesus has revealed to him, the revelatory commentaries that he's been given, it's like mind-blowing. And then I feel led to just jump into other portions of the scriptures. And I'm like reading Exodus 33 uh, as a result of something that my friend said I should check out. But then I realize I'm reading Exodus 34, and now I'm on Exodus 36. And this stuff is alive. And I'm like, this is insane. How did people not know about all of this? And every footnote in this commentary from Yogananda has all of the resources for his research. So I have actually purchased all of the Gnostic Gospels, the Gospel of Phyllis, the, Philip, the Gospel of Thomas, the Gospel of Mary Magdalene. There's this two different books. One is from, called The Journey to Kashmir and Tibet. The other one is called The Unknown Life of Jesus Christ. Both of those are documents talking about the Hemis monastery in Tibet, where it is supposed or proposed that there is a manuscript, a Buddhist manuscript that talks about Jesus's ministry, St. Isa of Jerusalem, which by the way, Isa is the Aramaic word for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so St. Isa or St. Jesus of Jerusalem in his lifetime of ministry, which includes details of his time from age 14 through 28, which is oddly absent 
from the gospel account of Jesus' life. And it basically talks about the fact that at age 14, he goes off into the Himalayan mountains and to prepare for his lifetime of ministry through the ancient sages. It's like, I know this sounds crazy, and I would have thought, gosh, if I was listening to somebody else a year ago saying all this stuff, I I would have tuned out already. By the way, if that's you and you're still listening, there's a reason for that. So here's what I will say is that all of a sudden I'm I'm reading this stuff and I'm going in, I listen, I'm not going into this to accept it or to reject it. I'm just going in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, okay, is this going to pull me away from Jesus? Is this going to say that every, you know, it's like they're all paths are equally blah, blah, blah. And Jesus is, all I can say is this, I have never been more devoted to my relationship with Jesus than I ever have been before. I could tell you some of the things that I believe today that I didn't believe before that most people that I grew up with and including myself a year ago would tell you that I am a heretic and an apostate and I will burn in hell. But I know that not to be true. And it is amazing the life that I have found Matter of fact, all of my needs, Tony Robbins says there are six human needs that all people must meet to have a truly fulfilling life. The first four, everyone has to meet, even if you don't want fulfillment in your life. That is the need for certainty, the need for variety or uncertainty, the need for connection and love, the need for significance, and then the other two, the spiritual needs, are the need for growth and contribution. And I got to tell you, I'd been trying to meet all of those needs externally right? through the praise and admiration of others. My certainty financially came from all of the work I do and impressing enough other people to hire me and to see my value of the, uh, uh, to see the value of the value I could bring to them. That's my certainty. My certainty is how other people think about me. And if all of a sudden I start saying things that are weird, like to your point earlier, Man, Cliff, you say things at the expense of some people might think you're a loony nut job now and want to avoid you. Yeah, but I'm able to do that now because I know that they've never been a source of my income and my security. God says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these other things will be given to you. And then in another portion of the scripture, when he was tested, tell us where is this kingdom? He says, you won't see it up in the sky and nobody's gonna be able to tell you what day it's gonna come again. Because the kingdom of God is within you. These are all very Hindu Eastern philosophy things that Jesus is saying. Not to mention, by the way, that there are two different places that are still in the actual canon of the Gospels, where it's very clear that it is stated that John the Baptist is the reincarnated soul of Elijah. What? (laughs) Even brings in reincarnation. You have what I have, which is this desire to be liked. Go figure. We both want to be liked. We want recognition. I know that to be true because I've heard you say it. I know for a fact that is part of my DNA is I like that. Okay, let's put that aside. Now, you, there's the internal, there's the external, right? The external is what you put out there and and, and, and that appreciation, the recognition and like boost my ego. But then there's the internal, it's working on ourselves. It's It's doing what you're doing right now. And you're in this, I feel, and this is an outsider looking in, you're in this so I had this introspective, but, but more bringing new things into your life with an open mind, mind you. That's a really important distinction, with an open mind. So I'm, I'm curious. You have trained with Cliff. 
in in your in your Patreon group, which I just which I just joined, so I could listen to episode two eighteen and two nineteen and two twenty one. So go listen to those. So you're going to go down the rabbit hole of philosophy, and you can get a whole lot more if you like this. If you are listening, if you're still listening right now, you like what you've heard. Go check those episodes out. You you'll have to pay the ten bucks, and it's well worth it because it's part of your Patreon. So we can talk tactically about that. And I'm curious what your vision is for that. But I'm actually quite curious, faith journey. You have had shows that are that you've done in the faith orbit. Have you con- and then you have your show, the, the Cliff Ravenscraft show, which to your own admission, you kind of went AWOL a little bit. You weren't on social media, you weren't posting as much, you weren't publishing as much. Because frankly, you poke five thousand episodes, people. Five thousand episodes. I mean, you're entitled, my friend. You are entitled. <laughs> Take a break, brother. And now I say that all with have you considered documenting this faith journey, this internal journey that you're you're on? I would be a listener of that show. But I also think you talk about do it for the inspiration. You even talk about if you're creating a show, do a hobby, do it because you love it. Because I think what I hear is a repeated theme over and over and over again. Don't start a podcast. If you're going to just give up and pod fade because it wasn't what you thought it was, go in with clear expectations. And if the clear expectation is that you want to do a show because you love it, because you're passionate about it, because you feel compelled to do this show, then do that show. Cliff, where's your head at with documenting and, and sharing this part of your journey aside from what you're doing within Train with Cliff? Wow. So many things I want to share based upon all the things you just said. Number one, it just occurred to me, I want to just emphasize, why did I give the advice, go create a podcast about something that you love, something that you don't care about, how successful it is, and all that other things? It goes back to the to my heart's desire and my message. I want to help you rediscover your identity of who you truly are. And if anything, that's what podcasting most of has done for me. Sure, it helped me escape from a soul-sucking career as an insurance agent. Sure, it allowed me to tap into the ministry work that I felt called to do. And yes, I was even able to eventually figure out how to create a business around it, how to get connected with some pretty amazing people as a result of it, and lots of other things that you and I and everybody else have been taught to think of as success. None of that means squat to me outside of what podcasting has done to help me learn more about who I am. That if, if I, I just want to, I just want to sit on that for just a moment. That's what podcasting has done for me. It goes back to that message. I no longer want to create content based upon what I feel other people feel like I should be giving them because then I'm living my life according to their wants, their desires. But I actually want to dig deep and say, what do I want? What are my desires? And then when I start creating those, it allows me to dig even deeper and say, well, where do those come from? Matter of fact, it's what really gave me the open opportunity to, I I started asking the question, who am I and why am I here almost a year ago Mm -hmm. in my coaching? And it was very much, I am a content creator who encourages, (laughs) entertains, and blah, blah, blah. And and now, when I answered the question before, I was like, no, I bring light where there is darkness. I help others rediscover and live into their true identity so they, they can finally get to the work they were put on this earth to do. And I am here to lead others to the true, everlasting source of peace, love, joy, and fulfillment that will never go away, ever. 
regardless of what's in your bank account or how many people are subscribed to your podcast or anything else. That's what podcasting and just doing what I want. Now, the interesting thing, you talk about my Patreon account. My Patreon account, the reason why the whole Patreon account was started, and I will, I'm transparent and authentic, because, well, I was wanting to share so much more of my journey with people authentically and transparently, but I realized most people in the Cliff Ravenscraft show would have zero interest in the things I most wanted to podcast about. Hmm. Okay, so what did I decide? I would create podcasts that I felt would that would interest and impress the people who are subscribed to the Cliff Ravenscraft show. So that's where I would put my public facing content that would uphold my my reputation in the eyes of the public who might come across this piece of content for the very first time. And I would put behind a paywall the stuff that only people who already know me would think this guy's not a loony nut job. <laughs> and some of them still might think that. <laughs> and some of them still might think that. But at least it's like, listen, you know, you don't, you don't sign up to pay $10 a month to hear Cliff Ravenscraft go on about his, what he's experiencing in his day-to-day life or in his journey, what he's learning from these books or even his faith journey. You don't do that. And you don't pay $10 a month for that unless you have already felt like I've been introduced to Cliff and I really like there's there's more to this guy and I want to know what drives him. And so that's what the Train with Cliff audio program was. It, it, it originally called the Audio Journal. And it's like, listen, this this is where I don't give a rat's butt what anybody thinks about me here. If you don't like this, unsubscribe anytime. But there were times when I'd put out three episodes in a day, uh, three episodes in a week, but at least once a week, every week, I'll put out an episode and just tell you what's going on in my world. I may do zero preparation, just hit record and just start talking mm. to you. Or I may do tons of preparation. I don't know. But I can tell you this. I promise you this. Every episode of the Train With Cliff audio program is going to be content that I want to create. Mm. And if there's ever a time when I don't feel like creating it, I'll let you know so you can all sub- unsubscribe immediately. Speaking of unsubscribe, and this could apply both to email subscribers as well as Patreon subscribers. You had a really thoughtful, it was in the car, thought and YouTube video where you talk about this feeling that you have gotten in the past. And I think anybody would get when you get unsubscribed, <laughs> when, when, when people say, sorry, see you later. And part of that is they feel, you feel, and I think this is just true. You feel that, is it something that I said? Is it something I did? Right? Beliefs have consequences. And part of that belief is that it's you that did something wrong when in reality and an alternative belief could be, Hey, maybe they're just doing a purge and they're getting rid of every email list. It could be that they aren't interested in your emails anymore. It could be a variety of things and it may not be personal. They may still subscribe to your podcast. They may still subscribe to everything else. But in our mind, our mind is telling us one story and what your argument is, which is, I think is a really good argument is that there's other stories that could be out there that may be entirely plausible And so I think when we live in this world where we are creating, and I loved in another video, you talk about how you're, I don't know if I'm creating too much content. I don't know if if I'm creating more content than people want to consume. You actually asked this question, which is a, a fair and interesting question. My question to you is, why is it important to get the right mindset when it comes to helping 
give ourselves the armor and the protection to not take it personally when somebody decides to either not be an email subscriber or not be a Patreon subscriber or any other thing where somebody does stop being associated with you in that particular area. Well, first of all, the importance of getting your mindset right about that is so that you don't live in terror every time you get a note that says somebody unsubscribed from you. I mean, if you want to experience a little bit of peace and joy in your life, and let's just put it this way. I've experienced this way too many times in my life. I'll I'll send an email off to my mailing list and I'm like, man, this is a powerful email. This is going to be awesome. I really took a lot of time to craft this and stuff like that. And then getting ready to go out on a date with my wife, lunch date, and we're going to go out to eat. We're going to have the most amazing time. But hey, Stephanie, real quick, before I go, I got to go. I forgot to get this thing off the printer. I want to put it in an envelope and take it to the mail before we go. Okay, no worries at all. Well, I do that. I get the stamp. I do the label, all this stuff. And I see, it's like, oh, let me see how many people have opened and clicked on that email. And then all of a sudden, I see 74 unsubscribes. Man. And then I click on that number, 74. Now, by the way, did I actually tell you how many people were had clicked open? No. How many no, people no. had clicked on links? Not. Why and, would you? No, You're going to focus no. on the bad so What am I drawn to? <laughs> I was like, let me click on the seven. And then I see the names. And I'm like, oh, Man, I've been, they've been in my community for years. Why are they? Le- oh, and then all of a sudden now I, 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 I have all kinds of metaphysical things now that I believe about energy levels and emotions. And stuff. My energy level, my vibrational energy level has just dropped massively. And now I'm going out and I'm not fully present in the moment with my wife. Now, I'm I'm as good as I can be in the moment, given the crappy experience that I've just imagined in my head about so-and-so and so-and-so. And it's like those five people, I can't, if there were five people I thought would never unsubscribe from my list, it would be those five people. And all five of them in one email, after three years of being on my list, they left. Serious? And, and so this, somewhere between subconsciously and consciously, is in the back of my head while my wife is telling me about her days and her dreams. Mm. Is that how I want to live my life? And I found that I was doing that way too often. And so if you want to know the importance of getting your mindset right to where you don't attach yourself to those sorts of milestones and situations and and how you define meanings to certain things, those five people, those five people that I love, Maybe all five of them are like me. They're like, listen, I've got an overload of emails and I'm just unsubscribing from everything. There's all kinds of reasons. Mm. But man, I, I was playing in my head with all sorts of imagined stories because God, I'm creating an image of God and God's a creator and I have the gift of creation and I'm creating all kinds of horror stories. I'm literally running horror films through my brain while having lunch on a date with my wife. And if you don't get this under control, Cliff, you're not going to experience peace, love, and joy. This has been this journey that I've been on is is understanding that peace, love, and joy doesn't come with whether or not those people are on my mailing list or they stay subscribed or whether they unsubscribe. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, my peace, love, and joy isn't on whether or not I maintain the same number of clients through COVID-19 versus whether I lose all my clients in COVID-19. My situation isn't whether or not the electric's on when I got home from the gym and I've got a call in 10 minutes or not. My peace, love, and joy, if I choose, can be completely independent of any external circumstance. And so I began to live into that and the expectation of that 
And as a result, I made a, Gay Hendricks in his book, The Big Leap, asked a, a question that rocked my world. I read it in September, 2017. He says, are you willing to feel good and have your life go well all of the time? And I'm like, what a ridiculous question. There's no way, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. That's how people go and put themselves in a state asylum, thinking your life can go well all the time, that you're always gonna feel good. That's baloney. Because that's my mass consciousness of ancient man that's conditioned me to think that that's not possible. But then all of a sudden, I'm getting into this Tony Robbins material, and I realized that God has given me this incredible subconscious mind, uh, the understanding and the science of neuro-linguistic programming and neuro-associations. And wait a second, through actually some books on clinical hypnotherapy and self-hypnotherapy, I I actually do have control over how I feel, what I think about, what meanings I associate, uh, how I use my physical body. You mean I am absolutely in complete control over how I feel at all times. I choose depression. I choose joy. All of those are my choice. If that's the case, then wait a second. Yes, I'm willing to feel good and have my life go well all the time. Now, wait a second. Aren't some circumstances out of your control? Yes. So you're saying that your life is going to go all, well all the time. You'll never have a car accident. You'll never have a child that dies in a car accident. You'll never have. I didn't say that. Number one, I said, I'm willing to have my will all the time. I didn't say that I have an expectation of it. Expectations, by the way, when aren't met, basically turn into pretty bad feelings. So I try, one of the things that I've learned from the whole Buddhist movement is just get rid of expectations. And so, except for the expectation that life is always happening for me and never against me. And it's like, wow. And I had already adopted so much of this stuff from Tony Robbins. I didn't even know it was coming from an Eastern philosophy standpoint. Thank you, Tony Robbins, (laughs) for the way you subtly introduced me to this stuff. So anyway, I'm going through and it's like, listen, not only am I willing to feel good and have my life go, I'm committed to it. Let me just, I'm committed to it. And I have been doing that. Now, there have been a couple of tests along the way. And there's times when I've been robbed where I uh, chose other than peace, love, and joy for about anywhere between five minutes to an hour and a half. But using the gifts that God has given me, my subconscious mind, my understanding of what's meanings, what am I focused on? What do I assign as a meaning? And how do I feel as a result of this? What action am I going to take? Never see anything as worse than it is, but actually see it for what it is and then see it better than it is and make a plan and just work through this. Everything, how is this going to serve me? How is this very difficult, challenging obstacle that got in the way of how I thought life ought to be in this area, how is this ultimately 10 years from now going to be something I say, man, do you remember when that, that's probably one of the greatest moments that ever happened to me. If that Mm. didn't happen, this wouldn't have put me on this path. That's how I'm, then it's like, whoa, I, there's never been a time in my life where I've experienced something tragic that didn't actually bring about greatness in my life. So now I'm willing to feel good and have my life go well all of the time. And then through the teachings of Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism and all this other stuff from Alan Watts and Paramahansa Yogananda and all these other people, it's like, and now through the teachings of Jesus that have actually got bigger meanings. Right, right, right. God, I never understood why Jesus says, listen, unless you hate your mother and father, your wife and your children... And even your own life, unless you hate all of that, you're not worthy to be my disciple. And I'm like, whoa, I never understood that teaching before. Not once have I ever heard anybody ever preach on that sermon and have an answer that even came close to feeling adequate. But when I understand 
the teaching of Eastern philosophy and our true identity as soul and spirit, and that this the world that you and I are living in right now called Maya, the illusion is the material world, which is nothing more than vibrational energy coming from the source that is the source of all things that was uncreated. We call I call him God. Uh, some people call it universe. But the thing is, is this world is a divine drama, an illusion. Elon Musk says that there's a, I think scientists say there's like a 70% chance we're living in a simulation. I believe we are. It's real for Cliff Ravenscraft and for Billy, and there's a purpose behind it, and it's not meaningless, but I'm not Cliff Ravenscraft. Hmm. I am a soul, an individualized spark of the image of God. I am a son of God, that is given life to a human bag of flesh. Mm-hmm. And now when I find that my, and that, that at my heart, at the center of my so- true identity as soul and spirit, outside of this physical body, outside of this mind, outside of everything that is in this material world is my soul, which is fueling, which is energizing this body, which is of God, divinely connected in God, which God is peace, God is love. So therefore, I am one in him. Therefore, I am pure love. I am a wave of peace. I am a wave of love. I am a spark, divine union with God. And that is where all of my needs are met. And therefore, now I don't need to worry about people unsubscribing. I don't need to worry about what people think about my latest episode of the Cliff Freeman's Craft Show or anything else. I had had the pleasure of experiencing it without knowing why. And over the course of this faith journey that I've been talking about, I've come to understand the source of it. And I, while I have, I, what I will tell you is authentically at this stage in my journey, I'm reading and I'm learning about thousands of people who have the experience of what's known as seeing the, the, the spiritual eye or the thought third eye. By the way, Jesus in his teaching said, let thine eye be single, which I never understood what that meant, meant before. Mm-hmm. Let thine eye be single, except for the fact that if you consider Jesus as a yogi from India coming back and doing his ministry, there are some very esoteric kind of teachings inside of Jesus's teachings that make a lot more sense. So there are people who are experiencing through this, the science of yoga or meditation using prana, the breath. I can't believe I'm using all this language that's rolling <laughs> off my tongue. Anyway, I, I, in, in samadhi meditation, I could go on and on. It's like, this is insane. So through, through meditation, through the science of meditation, there are people who are able to get to the place where they're actually able to see with their eyes actually pointed up towards the spot in between your eyebrow, they're able to see what's called the third eye or the spiritual eye, which is this glowing thing. And there are people who are able to get in such a state consciously where they're able to leave their body to actually have what's called astral projection. And I'm learning about all this stuff. And I can tell you, there is zero doubt in my mind that all of that is real and that that's the path that I'm being led on. And yet, I'm the guy who's like, listen, I just want to study night and day, all day, every day, and I want to experience it now. And, and I feel like God's like, eh, you, let me guide you in this. <laughs> but the thing is, is the reason why I know that, why I have zero doubt is because I have friends and colleagues who 
haven't yet gone public with their awakening, but they have personally talked to me about their awakening. And they have experienced the astral projection. They have experienced the kinds of things that I read about in near-death experiences and, and all of these other things from so many different backgrounds, so many different faith. doesn't matter. It, it's all of this stuff. And it's all the same thing that's being talked about. And it's the same thing Jesus talked about. And I'm like, okay, I believe this is be true, but I'm at this place where I'm like Thomas in the Bible. I'm like, listen, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Help! I want the experience. I want to. I want to put my finger through your wounds. I want to. I want to have this. And it's like, and what I know is like, listen, no, I won't be able to experience those as long as that's what I'm chasing. Have you seen the egg? It's an animated thing. I'm going to send it to you. It's super interesting. I, I think you'll find it fascinating. It's only seven minutes long. I'm going to email it to you. Yeah, man. I mean, look, you, what started in, in, in very much, you know, obviously your mind is playing tricks on you and it, it often does. Let's face it. Like when I post something on LinkedIn and it's very rare because LinkedIn's such a nice community, but every now and then I'll get a troll. All my attention goes off of all the nice comments, all of the likes and, you know, blah, 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 DMs saying how great it was. And it goes straight to that one person who said something nasty to me, much like your attention goes onto the person who unsubscribed. Now, in your defense, you know them a little bit better than I know this troll. So I guess you're a little bit more entitled, but our mind and you talk about this, this abundance versus scarcity mindset, because, you know, you had, you were successful in insurance, you worked for your family's company, you you did really well, and you could have stayed in that soul sucking job and you would have done fine and you would have inherited the family business and financially it would have been great, but internally, emotionally, it would not have been. And what you are going through right now and what you're finding out about yourself and how you're in a very interesting way, being redirected back to the scripture with newfound knowledge and understanding and appreciation and a lot more visibility into why this is in there that you didn't have before. I'm That's incredible. And by the way, I'm able to do it with no, like, I will not share how much I'm studying right now <laughs> because, because I don't, I don't need the significance of it. It doesn't matter. Uh, I, by the way, I, before, you know, a couple months ago, I would tell you how many hours a day, every day that I do. All, none of that matters anymore. But what I will tell you is I'm able to open the scriptures and I don't hear even the slightest hint of the condemnation. All I hear is love. All I hear is you're not here yet. We, I know that you're not ready to give up this attachment. You've given up this attachment. That's great. That's wonderful. This thing that you're dealing with, which by the way, this sin and this sin, this sin, the, these are the ones that you just are you grasping onto. You don't want to let go of. It's okay. Eventually, when you're ready, when you truly begin to experience that this is way more bliss then those things, those things that you, it's like, ah, oh, man, if I didn't have to give up this, I, you know, whatever, man, when you really begin to tap into the bliss, all of that other stuff, all the other, all the few little strings that have you still attached to Maya, the illusion, the material things, they'll all melt away. And, and God says, father says to me, he says, listen, I don't condemn you. I'm patient and you've got time. Mm-hmm. 
And it's it, there's this parable of the incredibly loving father. Sometimes they call it in the Bible, the parable of the prodigal son, the one who goes out and spends his inheritance and all this other stuff. And father's sitting there looking down the path at the whole, the whole time waiting for the son to come. Finally, the son in all of his wild and unrighteous living blows all of his inheritance. He's living like a, pul- a pauper. He's literally eating out of troughs of animals where he's working. He's like, listen, my servants eat better than this. My father's servants eat better than this. Maybe I'll go back and beg my father's forgiveness. And I know that I don't deserve to be a son. I've squandered the inheritance, but at least he'll let me be, maybe he'll let me be a servant in his household. So he's prepared his speech of repentance, his his prayer, like, Father, please forgive me for I know I've sinned. And here's all the terrible things I've done. Please forgive me, I repent. He's got it all prepared. And he goes, and lo and behold, the father in this story runs, hikes up his robe, hikes up his robe and runs down the path to get his son, to greet his son. His son begins the speech to ask for forgiveness, and the father won't even let him speak it out because it's not even necessary. And I'm like, ha, ah, wow. And so to, to give you something, Billy, uh, I, you talk about a troll. I, I've, I've been very open about one guy who at some seasons of life has devoted somewhere between 20 to 45 hours a week to troll me and my family personally. This is a guy who he's really gone out to try to mentally impact me in a, in a negative way. Emotionally abusive individual. Now, Never he he absolutely has never crossed a line that would any be anything that I could get a lawyer involved in and stuff like that. And so he's smart enough to know that. And and I will tell you, I I he also I I this just occurred to me. He also is another reason why I actually put the train with cliff audio program behind a paywall, which by the way, he signed up for. And once I realized I blocked him and shut him out, but and then he created some other accounts and then I blocked those and, and stuff like that. He may still be in there. I don't know there was still that one thing was still, you know, trying to get under my skin and stuff like that. And with this new understanding, if, if, if now I can't tell you, I have a strong belief and faith in what I've discovered is true. I could be completely wrong. And by the way, that's new for me saying that here's what I believe. And I have no doubt but please understand, I'm not trying to convince you because I could be completely wrong. So you've got to find your own path, find the truth for yourself. Don't take my word for it. That is the antithesis of, let me show you how significant I am and show you the fe- the truth that I found and what you need to know. I'm not there anymore. So I could be completely wrong, but let's just say if all of this is true, that the creator of all things created this divine drama, this illusion as a cosmic play and where God says, listen, I, I created this so that I could have communion and I could give love and receive love. That's, what, that's an experience that I want. And that was a thought. And in that thought, whether it's thousands of years or billions of years, the universe came into existence, which is nothing more than a vibratory thought, a synapse of God the creator. And everything that is created was created. And then all of a sudden he takes and he creates from the matter, he, the atoms, he creates human bodies, and then he breathes life, he breathes his spirit or a spark of his self into each individual human, 
the soul, which then gives life to the human, that is him. So it's God playing all of the parts, like Eddie Murphy playing that one barbershop <laughs> right, right, movie right, where right, he plays right, all right, the characters. Right, right. And the whole idea of the role of Satan in creation is that for God to be able to play a believable role, there has to be some form of delusion and some sense of ignorance, of ignoring that you are actually God playing all the parts. Kind of like Matt Damon, when he plays Jason Bourne, Jason Bourne was only a popular film because Matt Damon was able to actually delude himself and actually ignore that he's Matt Damon. And he played a believable character. You may have heard of Heath Ledger who died, who committed suicide because he actually got himself to believe that he was that character is what I heard. I could be completely wrong about that. Could be hearsay. But that's my understanding. So the idea... So the idea that Satan was created, which is nothing more than an impure nature uh, force created in the world for the purpose of causing humans to forget momentarily that they are God so that God himself could be actually operating these human suits, you know, playing the parts. It's like these, like going in for makeup and which is the time in the womb. And then you come out and it's like, okay, action from the time you're born until the time you die. That's that's your time. It's like action. If all of that, and then Satan says, wait a second, if my role here is only to delude you and make you ignorant, and this material world is the only place I exist as this force, and if all of a sudden you, all of your individual sparks or soul of you return to you ultimately in the end, then that means this is gone. And I, No, and he rebels, then basically says, listen, I will make it my goal to delude every human being into forgetting that they are of God and believing that they are in lack of all things and that they must have material things in this world to experience peace, love, and joy. Mm. Now, if that is true, then this guy who has been trolling me is not my enemy. If my true identity at the core is soul, spirit that is true of that man as well Mm -hmm. and i was deluded by satan to believe that i was cliff ravenscraft that i am this person that i have to fight for significance i have to fight for the appreciation of others i have to fight for financial security i have to have an impressive business that that gets the attention of everybody i have to create more content than anyone else to get my voice heard in the world I have, if, if I was so deluded to believe all of those things, this man who has devoted so much time to be my hater is also one with me at his core. Now, his ego is a jackass. But hey, my ego is a jackass too. Go read those <laughs> yeah, one, story, it, one star reviews. <laughs> it all comes full circle to those reviews. You yeah, see? Yeah, I love it. So now Jesus is teaching says, listen, love your enemies makes a whole lot of sense. And then you realize, like, wait a second, I don't have any enemies. Because if in essence, in our true identity, we are all one, we're one. So in essence, I am divinely united with that man who has done so much to cause me harm. Well, used to. And by the way, did he ever cause me harm? No. He has no power or authority to ever cause me harm. Who caused me harm with all the emails and the nasty, rude, obnoxious, and terrible things he would persistently send to me and say about me publicly? 
Who caused me harm? Was it him? No, it was me. It was, I, I focused on what he said. I associated a meaning. Oh my gosh, people are going to think that this is true. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. you know, I am not like this, blah, blah, blah. He's going to ruin my reputation. He's doing all these things. That means I'm going to lose my money, blah, blah, blah. And I was creating horror films in my mind. I was the one. He never caused me anything. He never did anything to me. Right. And now I'm able to love him. And that, and that right there says everything about the mind and how powerful it is and how we often are so conditioned to believe what this person is doing and saying it's it's true one and that it's true and that other people believe it and that other, and, that, and that it should matter what other people think or feel or see or realize about me because of what this person says no matter how false or true it is well one thing i'm curious about and, and this is more just selfishly you're self-described audio snob and maybe you wouldn't still identify as that but you you have in in some instances described yourself in that way and so what are the things that you find most common is preventing someone from get is it mic technique is it room acoustics is it the equipment i mean i don't think it is but i mean maybe that's part of it is understanding the recording and the equipment like what do you find are the most common reasons somebody is not getting the sound quality that they that they should. And I'm probably not even talking to the mic pro- properly right now. So there you go. No, you're fine on your mic. You're, you actually sound amazing. I'd give it a 10 out of 10. And I don't give 10s out of 10s very often. So anyway, things that are terrible. Number one, a telephone recorded thing. So there are, believe it or not, a lot of people who actually call into a service and have telephone conversations with people and they put that out as a podcast episode. That content has to be like the most desirable content on the face of this planet for me to even listen to more than 30 seconds. It better be better be Father Roderick or somebody like that. No, actually, I don't think Father Roderick, I don't think he's ever created something that I'd have to listen to that much. I mean, uh, it would have to be Tony Robbins. And boy, Tony, it's got to be the better than any of the th- tens of actually i've paid well over ten thousand dollars for products and services from him it's got it's got to be worth way more than all of that for me to listen to an audio recording of a telephone call from tony robbins so telephone calls audio quality absolutely not um that's me i i'm an audio snob and i still am an audio snob the other thing is is really terrible room echo Mm -hmm. So this happens a lot. People buy these USB condenser microphones Mm. and they're in a room with hardwood floors. There's very, you know, they're minimalist. So there's no furniture in the room and it just sounds like an echo chamber and and they sound like they're distant. And it's just like, ah, I can tolerate it if the content is a 10 out of 10. But if it's a less than 10 out of 10, you're not going to keep me. So those are the kind of things. Lots of popping of peas. There's no reason somebody should have a plosive in their podcast episodes. I mean, okay, first three to five episodes, I'm totally cool. I'll, I'll stay subscribed to your show. If your content's at least an eight out of 10, the content is an eight out of 10. I'll give you about five to six episodes to figure out how to get rid of a popping pea. All right. If you can't get out of, rid of a popping pea by then, eh, yeah. And then there are the people who don't understand volume levels. So basically, what they do is they go in, they just hit record on whatever, however they're recording. And let's just say you and I, pro- I, I assume, Billy, with all the technical stuff you've got here with podcasts and things, you probably understand volume levels. So if they're, let's just say, negative 
30 dB. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the actual level that they publish their podcast episode at. Then that means that number one, for me to listen to them in the car, I have to take the volume knob in the car and turn it all the way up just to hear them at a somewhat reasonable level. Chances are I may still not be able to hear them over road noise mm-hmm. or the air conditioner. All right. Worst thing, though, is when I'm finished listening to them and I forgot that I had to do that and I go to play the next thing, I blow, <laughs> I blow the speakers out of my car. Yeah. And that is unacceptable to me. And so I want, as soon as I hear somebody's got a, a low sounding audio, I immediately just tune out. Now, occasionally somebody will produce something and I'm like, I really want to hear that. And then I bring it over to the Overcast app, which is available for free at overcast.fm. And they have what's called voice boost built into it. So they'll automatically take wherever your audio is and they'll jack it up as loud as it can possibly be without you actually having to do it. So it basically is doing the amplification in real time. Mm -hmm. Really cool. Except for the fact that there's in the background with your voice because it amplifies the noise floor as well. So those are some of the common things I could go on, but level wise, where do, where do you want to record and then where do you want it to ultimately live output wise? Well, there's all this stuff that they talk about, which I can't remember what the technical ner- name is it for for the, the, the broadcasting standard of LUFs or something. It's like negative nev- 16 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I never got into the the whole LUFs thing. All, here's what I did. I always record it. Negative, six, negative 12 to negative six is where I record. Okay. That gives me lots of headroom. All right. If I get really loud, I can, I, you know, I'm still probably not going to go up above negative three with that. Yeah. All right. Then what I do is I use Adobe Audition and I use a, a multiband compressor and a hard limiter at the same time. And I amplify that by 10 dB with a hard limit of negative 1.5. So when it's actually shipped to people, my content is actually solidly you if you open it up in the editing software it'd be a sl- flat line my entire content is is negative 1.5 db mm-hmm. so it's basically almost as loud as you can get without it peaking yeah the thing i related back to it's like it's like a photograph you don't want it overexposed because you lose all that data and, and it's kind of you don't want it too loud it's better to under in my opinion better to under record because for, for me especially i'm on a, i'm on a kind of a busy street and so i'm afraid of getting all that background noise frankly and then the other piece is like having it do all the things that you don't want it to do when it's over recorded and you're getting all that background noise and all more plosive, prone to plosiveness and things of that nature. I want to end with this. It's books. You have said that for a long time, you kind of swore books off and you, you, I did. And you, and you to your own admission, you're like, if I only read 10 books and that's it, blah, 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 I'm fine with that. But you have more recently grown very, very, closeness to books. And one of the things I found really interesting is that you don't read books and like, okay, I'm going to read this and that's it. You're studying books and and you're taking your time to really understand what the book is teaching. And I really, really appreciate that. And so I'm going to take a little bit of the opposite approach. I'm going to say a book and I want you to tell me what is it about this book that's so meaningful and powerful to you and why you think it's a book that could perhaps be a good book for somebody to pick up. Okay. The first book is The Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Secrets of the Millionaire Mind will help you understand. I could. It'll help you understand how I could ask you three to five questions and I could determine how much money you make, how much money you've made for the last five to 10 years, and I can predict how much money you'll make every year for the rest of your life unless you change your mindset. 
Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because it, it, it is amazing how we limit ourselves. Okay. Prosperous coach. The prosperous coach. I despise internet marketing. I hate it with a passion. It brings bile into my throat and makes me want to vomit every time I even think about a sales page and an opt-in, conversion rates, analytics. Uh, The whole thing just makes me nauseous. I hate it. I hate all of it. With a vile passion, I hate it. And I was convinced for a very long time that's how you succeed in business. And so therefore, I tried to incorporate it. And the more I incorporated it, the more I hated what I did. But what I came across is the book, The Prosperous Coach. And when I read it, it said in one line, it says, listen, you could actually become a prosperous coach and you can, without ever having a single podcast, blog, or YouTube channel, without having an email newsletter, and without even having a website, you can make as much money as you dream or desire as a coach. And then I'm like, seriously? And you talked about the fact that earlier this year, I, I kind of went off offline for a while. I stopped producing public-facing content. I did. Very few episodes this year. And I used to be a guy, 52 episodes a week for a podcast that I would do every week, every year. That's what you could count on, if not more. Uh, but this year, not so much. And the reason why is because in October of last year, I went all in on the thing, the four steps of the Prosperous Coach method for creating clients, which is connect with people to discern who are the next uh, potential clients that that might be a good fit for the type of coaching that you're doing. Once you've di- once you've asked enough connecting questions and discern that they might be a good fit and that you're confident that you can help them, then you move to step two, which is the invitation. You invite them into a complimentary experience of your coaching where you give them the experience of your coaching and you don't even for a second, not even a millisecond, do you try to sell them on the concept of your coaching. During that that 90-minute coaching call, they are not actually auditioning you to see if you're worthy of the, of their investment in coaching. That's not what it's about at all. Instead, what I'm doing during a 90-minute coaching experience is I'm actually asking questions and seeking to further discern and audition this person. Is this somebody that would be worthy of my investment as a client? I don't care how much they'd be willing to pay me. The question is, is are they worth my investment of time, effort, and energy? That's why I'm, if I get to the end of that call, do I propose to them? No. Instead, what I do is I ask them, say, listen, tell me, based upon our 90-minute conversation here, what's the one, two, or three greatest insights that you've got out of this? I have them tell me what their insights are. If they can't come up with them, that's the end of it. I said, man, this was a gift. This is my complimentary gift to you. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to serve you. I wish you great success. Email me sometime. Let me know how things go, and that would be the end of it. But if they can come up with the two or three insights and I felt really great about this experience, I said, well, let me ask you this. Based upon the things that you say you've got going on and the things that you want and the insights that you've received as a result of today's call, what's one, two, or three bold actions you are absolutely going to take within the next two weeks? And if they can come up with one, two, or three actions that they're bold actions that they are going to take within the next two weeks, I say, listen, are you committed to these on a scale of one to 10? How likely are you to do this? And if they are anything less than an eight, I use my tools and strategies to get them to a 10. 
assuming that that's able to happen, then I say, listen, I'm invested at this point. I got to know what happens over the next two weeks because I've seen this so many times and I just want to celebrate with you. Can I give you another complimentary experience of my coaching? Absolutely free. There's no expectation, no obligation that you'll ever become a paid client. And you have to, number one, if you accept this second call, you have to know, you have to go into it knowing there is no expectation. I'm not saying that I would never offer it, but there's no expectation. There is no obligation. Do you understand that? Yes. Would you like that second call in two weeks from now? Nobody, by the way, zero people have told me no. Nobody's ever told me no. (laughs) So we do the second call. Two weeks later, tell me about your life. What's going on? Man, the last two weeks have been better than the last 10 years of my life because of this, 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 this. And great, how can I serve you today? And every single 90-minute coaching call that I do with somebody, I am doing that with the sole intent purpose of making that call a call they will never forget for the rest of their life. Every call I have with them. Let me ask you this, Billy. Will you ever forget this podcast interview? For the rest of your life, will you ever be able to forget this interview? No, of course. That was... That was my only goal going into this call that you will never forget this experience. Yeah, well, mission accomplished. I learned this from the prosperous coach. That's my goal. My goal isn't to sell anybody. My goal isn't to impress anybody. My goal is to bring all of who I am and the value that I offer and give people the experience. I don't have to sell you on who I am and what I do. Give you the experience of it. And then at the end of the call, assuming that I still feel like you've passed the auditioning, this is worthy, I I would say, hey, Billy, We're at the end of our second call here. Do you remember when I told you this is a complimentary gift from me to you? There is no expectation, no obligation that you'll ever become a paid client. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay, let me ask you this. Based upon our uh, this call and the call we had two weeks ago, would you be interested at this moment in having a conversation about what it might look like for you and I to have an ongoing paid coaching relationship? Mm. And by the way, The only answer that I will ever accept to that question is either hell yes, which Rich Lipman would say, or yes, (laughs) let's have that conversation. If it's anything less than that, it's like, well, I tell you what, I'll stop you right there. The only, the only response I'll ever carry on the conversation is if it's a straight out yes or a hell yes, Cliff, let's talk about it. Anything less than that, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't need to give me any explanation. We're just going to call this a no for now. And it may be a no forever. And that's okay, because I want to remind you, there was no expectation, no obligation. I just have one question for you. The insights that you've had today, what's one, two, or three actions, bold actions you're going to take over the next two weeks? Mm. And then I'll have them tell me. I say, listen, I invite you to email me anytime you want just to give me updates on how things are going in your journey, just so I can hit reply and celebrate with you. Thank you for this opportunity to serve you. Now, what I can tell you, is let me go into my spreadsheet, coaching experiences. Um, actually, I, I, I'm missing one on here, but let me just give you prior to the call that I did yesterday. I've done 110 of these complimentary 90-minute coaching experiences. Out of the 110, which by the way, let's just assume that's uh, 55 people. It's actually less because I don't invite everybody to a second call mm-hmm. f- for obvious reasons. But let's just say it's 50 people. Out of the 50 people, that I brought into a second call and I, and I gave that question, would you like, to, I actually proposed to 45 of those people. 27 of them said, yes, let's have that conversation. And 18 of them said, no. The total, in, the total amount proposed was $497,220. 
this number of the 27 people who said yes generated me $318,140. Guess how much of that money came from my email newsletter, my podcast, or uh, any of that other stuff? The, none of it. Zero. $318,000, no content, no email, no any of that other stuff, just using the Prosperous Coach Method. So that's why I would recommend anybody pick up that book. Man, drop the mic, brother. All right, well, well, well. I, I, I mean, I was gonna, I mean, we, you could choose if you want to or not. There, there's three other, you could choose one book. There's, and we've talked a lot about Think or Grow Rich. There's Thou Shall Prosper or the Super Coach. Do any of them deserve recognition as, as one final book recommendation from you? Wow, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I'm going to say Super Coach by Michael Neal. And the reason why is I've only read it all the way through once, and it was in audio form. And it was a, it was the first book along the lines of a little bit more of the the esoteric kind of things, at least that was openly esoteric. And and, and by I mean like Eastern mysticism kind of mm-hmm. line of thinking. But in episode six fifty two of the Cliff Ravens Craft Show, titled who are you and why are you here? I actually quote about three pages out of that book. And those three pages spoke to me and and they were a very clear mile marker on this path that was leading me down to this faith journey. Mm. Got it. Okay, well, mental note on that. Cliff, I'm so grateful. Let me just say that you are... Truly a, you ask me if I'll forget. I will never forget this interview. You could find, help me out here, but I know cliffravenscraft.com. You're on Twitter, you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube, you're on Instagram, all of which it's Cliff E-O-T-C. Obviously your show, the Cliff Ravenscraft show. I, we mentioned Train with Cliff, which is the Patreon series that you have, which is really amazing. And I've already started digging in on those. Where else do you suggest them go? I'll tell you what, the, the biggest thing, and, and it, it sounds like an internet marketing thing, and it was originally, but here's what I want to encourage you to do. I, in fact, I'll, I'll even tell you what I suggest that you do if you don't absolutely love my content and don't absolutely resonate saying, oh my gosh, I'm so glad God brought me to this podcast episode where I got to be introduced to Cliff Ravenscraft. If it's anything less than that, then let me tell you what I recommend. Go to mindsetanswerman.com slash free. On that page, you'll see a 90-second video clip of me taking $300 on stage and throwing it up and putting it in the trash. And I'll explain to you why. And then on that page, there is a a landing page, a sales page for why you should sign up for my mailing list. And if you put your name and email address in there, it says, I promise you that this will absolutely transform your life. I absolutely believe that. It is no hyperbole whatsoever. It will transform your life. In fact, it's the key message from Secrets of the Millionaire Mind. Your thoughts plus your emotions lead to the actions that you take, which actually equal all of your results. And then it's, it's, it's a very powerful story. But I, I'll tell you what, if you go to mindsetanswerman.com slash free, chances are the 90 second video clip will capture our attention. If it does, then I know the whole one hour opening keynote to the Free the Dream conference will, will blow your mind. And then here's what I will tell you. Anything less than, oh my gosh, this is the most, I'm so glad I I found Cliff Ravenscraft. And and not an ego thing. It's just like God brought, God's bringing people my my way. And I I love that. And it's not for me and my significance. It's just because he put me here for a reason. And it's why he's given me this passion for putting a message out into the world all the way back to my Mr. Microphone days. 
But if, if that's you, that's great. Stay subscribed. You'll get a weekly email newsletter and you can find my podcast content. If not, I highly encourage you to go watch the video and then the very next day or maybe a couple hours later, you get an email that says, did you get what you were promised? And just click unsubscribe right away. And, and that's all you got to do. Yeah, and your, and your feelings won't be hurt by that. What started yeah. as the Mr. Microphone led to the Weekly Lost Podcast, led to the Podcast Answer Man. You sprinkle in some Twilight Saga. You sprinkle in some Desperate Housewives. Oh, and only 40 other, 50 other shows. You can't even keep track. Led to you and who you are today, which is somebody that really focuses on what I believe is the most important thing that we should all focus on, which is our mind. Our mind is the pathway to anything that we want and desire and feel destined and meant to do. I'm so, so grateful for the time that you took to share your journey, to share it so purely, so transparently, and so openly. Cliff Ravenscraft. Thank you for being on For the Love of Podcast. Billy, thank you so much. It's very rare that I get somebody that let me talk for two and a half hours, and I love it. And I really appreciate the opportunity. I can sense that you and I are going to continue to connect, and I, I look forward to any future opportunity to have a conversation with you. So feel free to reach out to me personally any way that you desire to do so. I told you we would get deep. I'd like to thank Cliff for being so generous with his time. It really meant a lot that he took the time to share his entire story with us. And I hope that you liked it. If you did, I'm sure Cliff would love to hear. So send him a note and let him know. Also, if you feel like supporting this show, it would mean a lot if you would rate and review it on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for being on this ride with me. I'm truly grateful to be able to meet with so many amazing people like the legendary Cliff Ravenscraft. Speaking of legends, next week, I meet with Evo Terra. To say he's been around the podcast space since the early days is putting it lightly. In fact, he launched his first podcast in 2004. And at the time, it was the 40th podcast ever. He went on to co-write Podcasting for Dummies with my previous guest, T. Morris, and has been the host or co-host of over 20 podcasts. And he's worked in some capacity on over 700 different podcasts. As the kids would say, he's legit. So I hope to have you back for that one. And until next time, remember, everything we do, we do it for the love of podcasts.